everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert here with a slightly delayed podcast. This is a reschedule from last week when TalkShoe wasn't cooperating at all. It's May 25th, 2017, a beautiful sunny day here, so I'm really happy. It's 45 degrees and it's supposed to get up to like 65, so it's perfect. So we have with us for part two of her podcast, Ellie Lippitz. Hey, Ellie. Say hi to everybody. Hi. Um, Hi, everybody. She got such a great response from the last podcast that I asked her to come back and talk some more about the stuff that um, that is of interest to everybody because she's kind of the the every woman. Um, I Ellie started like ninety nine percent of Amazon sellers start with retail arbitrage and online arbitrage and is now transitioning into um, wholesale. So welcome back, Ellie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Ellie has a new family member. Um, I don't know if everybody sees. She has her second Vishla. This little girl's named Spirit, and she's a, I don't want to say terror. She's a personality she's a for sure. She's a terror, yeah. She's, <laughs> the last, she's howling right now, and I had a, I put her in her crate behind two closed doors. So <laughs> hopefully this is going to work. She is She'll shred everything. Though. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, Al, there's a second Vishla in their household. Um, is she about 12 weeks old now? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like the cutest age. It's just adorable. And Sky, oh, she's- uh, she and Sky get along fabulously. That's really wonderful, too. So, anyway, let's get back to picking up where we left off last week. You got some questions. Um, I know private message and both in the group. Um, really good one. We'll start with this probably can be the hardest is, is if you were just starting out, what would you have done differently three years ago than, than what you did? Actually, I didn't think that was too hard. Um, I would have shifted into wholesale a lot sooner and I would have, stayed with what I loved instead of get distracted by shoes and clothes. I've had a whole year where I was going exactly where I am now, moving forward, making contacts, and then I sort of did squirrel and was like, oh, look, shoes, clothes, and did like a year of RA doing those, and that totally distracted me from, Mm. from going forward with wholesale. Otherwise, I'd be like another year ahead from where I am now. Uh, I mean, it, the money was good, but the returns are high. And I hate removing stickers more than anything. I hate, hate removing stickers and gumminess and all that stuff. So that would be my, the only, really the only thing I would do differently than three years ago. Um, the main thing, definitely. And kind of trust yourself, right? 
you got distracted <laughs> by other people talking about how hot shoes were and all that. Yeah, I really hate shoes. <laughs> I mean, I really hate selling shoes. And, um, and, and I just actually pulled every single shoe that I had left out of the warehouse because they were more than 180 days old. And I was terrified I'd get called out um, for some kind of authenticity claim and my receipts would be more than six months old and I just didn't yeah. want to take that risk. So a lot of people I know got um, new shoes that I just had sent to them um, and the rest I'm going to sell on eBay. Okay, smart plan. Uh, that the authentication issue is a scary one for sure. When when you know that there are going to be issues with the like you said, the receipts are over six months old. You know, so so that yeah, so I, basically that 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 one would be trust yourself and do what you want to do, not what everybody else says is hot and mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. It's so easy to get distracted, though, you know? It really is that, that, that fear of missing out of something really good instead of just staying the course, you know? It is. And the money was really good, and it flipped fast. But I just, I really didn't like it. And I really, really didn't like it. And removing all that, the stickers and the heat gun and the this and the that, and they're big. Shoes are big. I, I was just going to say that. So much. Yeah, clothes were okay because you can roll them up into tiny little bags, but I just really hate shoes. So I'm kind <laughs> of now, I have to say my son is a size 12 and a half. He has like 10 pairs of sneakers. He's in sneakers for the next six years. <laughs> because also when you pull them out of the warehouse, if they dent the box, then they, then they reimburse you for the whole thing. So um, I, I was just hoping as I pulled them out of the warehouse, they would send everyone back in a soft envelope and they'd be all dented. Yeah, so, yeah. I, you know. I know. I, you kind of hope that, like, I hope the customers keep part of my return so I could get reimbursed, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a weird one. So um, another question from the group, do you have outside sources of income or is Amazon and eBay your whole shebang? I work part-time for CPA, uh, about 20 hours a week, except during tax season, which it's like 40 hours a week. And I do that mainly um, because I'm a single parent and it keeps our benefits. And I work for a really nice guy who's a friend. I've been working for him about six years. He's so flexible. I work one day in the office and then I work the rest of the time at home. I can bring the dogs in. My daughter does scanning for him. If there's a problem, I just text him and there's and he's like, okay, just come in a different day or what can I do to help? So it just is, really works for me. And I will probably keep that job indefinitely or until I move or I know a different place to get benefits. So I was going to say the um, health insurance thing, right, is so, huge, such a big right. issue. Yeah. It's yeah, very it huge is. for me. With two, two teenagers, you know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So um, – there's also been the big thing that I know people have asked a lot about um, is, is wholesale really profitable? Because, you know, it's, it's a tough nut to crack um, to, to not have, you know, triple-digit ROIs on products. And that doesn't often happen in wholesale. But are you finding it's a profitable way to go for you personally? For me personally, it is profitable. Now, I will tell you, I sell things for a lower price 
than, say, shoes. I mean, shoes I could sell over $100. My average price item is probably 25 right now, but I sell from 100 down to, I have something that's marked that I sell for nine. I make $2 on it, but I sell one a day. And there's like no prep. You just slap a label on it. So Yeah, and I Ellie have, actually asked me about that product. She says, would you keep selling this product based on those parameters? And I saw the product and I said, well, if you want to quit selling it, I'll sell it for that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, $2 for no prep and, and not a huge investment. And I, they're light and easy to send in and all that. Yeah. you could, If you sell a lot enough $2 products, you're making good money, you know? You know, Al, the minimum I would take is probably $2. I, um, I'm reading from the chat. Uh, yeah. $2 is the least I make. Um, I will tell you, the product cost me $2.25. So by the time Amazon takes their fee, I make $2. But again, I sell at least one a day. And actually, I just sold out of them. And when I made, and I, when I, it's a small manufacturer in the States. When I um, made the order, they actually called me because they were like, oh my gosh, are you sure you want 100 of those? <laughs> and, I, and I said, yes. And by the way, could you give me free shipping? And she said, well, I can't do that, but I'll give you um, six of the same item. And that'll make up for the shipping. So that worked out too. Yeah, and it's the it's an item that I can my guess would be with my thinking cap on, it's gonna very seldom if ever get returned. You it's know? never been it's, returned. It's yeah, the kind of item people send to other people and they don't yeah. expect it back. Yeah. So um and and Ellie saw them in person at a show, this product. Is that how you found it? I did see it in person at a show, and I was at a show this past weekend, and I found another similar item in the same niche, and I know that they'll be a big seller. Again, from across the country, these guys are in L.A., but um, they have free shipping right now, and, and when I talked to them, I was like, well, if I order 50 or 100, she's like, yeah, we'll waive the shipping cost. Nice. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, it's, that's, that's, it's like a give and take thing. Yeah, and as Alp is saying, you balance headache versus profit. Yeah, this is a simple, easy, you know, Aaron's probably labeling them for you, I would guess. And um, yeah. you can get a ton of them. You can, those shoe boxes, you could get a ton of this product in those shoe boxes, you know? I could get 200 of that item in the shoe box. Yeah, so <laughs> that's like perfect, you know? Um, kind of product, and you get enough of those. I keep telling Ron, I said, I don't sell a ton of any one item, but I sell enough of a, of a lot of different items for it to be worthwhile. You know, it's it's that building up of, of um, SKUs, you know. It is. Um, I'll also say about profit, uh, and I've been re-looking at, at re-evaluating some of my things, I still kind of keep to the third, a third, and a third rule. So say if it costs you 10 bucks, you're going to end up selling it for 30 to make 10 bucks on it, and Amazon's going to take 10 bucks. Correct. I mean, it's, a, yep. it's simple. I know it doesn't work for every category, but it's a very simple way. If I'm at a trade show and I don't have time to really look it up to say, okay, you have this for $10. I want to make $10. Amazon's going to take $10 about depending because then I don't sell oversized so I don't have that issue of trying to figure out if it's oversized or not mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah so question I, um, Felicia wants to know what have you outsourced 
Well, my kids do my prep. <laughs> um, Good. That is, you know, uh, my kids do my prep. Usually they get a quarter an item. If it's a bundle, they get 50 cents an item. Uh, I pay them by the item because if they're watching YouTube, I don't want to pay them for their time. And right now, that's the only thing I – oh, no, that's not true. Karen Locker does all my back end in terms of um, any kind of returns, you know, reimbursements, um, any of that stuff. I also have Karen Locker do all my parent-child listings. So if I'm adding something onto as another color or whatever, I just don't even try to do it. I just have her do it. So that, those are the two main things I outsource. I was using a prep house. It didn't work out for me. They were a little too sloppy. Um, I was having my stuff stored there too. Now I've sort of downsized in what I'm having. So now I'll probably store it in the other bay of my garage. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for the moment, I'm having my kids prep because that puppy we just talked about, Aaron and the breeder are on the puppy together, and they split all the costs. So Erin has to pay for all of that um, herself. So she is what a great a little lesson prep. for her too, though. You know, I mean, she's a saver. She's totally a saver. Good for her. Good girl. Yeah, but um, showing dogs is expensive. You know, not just raising a puppy, but the dog show stuff that she does. Well, she has to pay for the vet, and she has to pay for the vet, the food, the Whatever she needs to pay for it, she's learning a lot about what it costs to be a mom. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do not go to. I go to trade shows that are within four hours of me. I live so close to New York that I can go into the Javits on the train in an hour, um, and so it's not a big deal. And I'll also go to Philadelphia and Baltimore. And I haven't, I'm, I've got more inventory than I can list, so I don't feel like I need to go to any other shows right now. Um, okay, so, so you have a, I want to say a stable of shows, but you now know, having been to enough, which shows are good for you and which ones aren't, right? I do, and, um, and there are, you know, there are a couple that are really, I would never, never miss, I would never miss New York now, ever. I go all the days. Every single day, I will be at New York now. It's absolutely exhausting, but it totally works for me. Um, I do go to the Philadelphia gift show maybe one day or two days, you know, and there's a few others that I would not miss. Um, But again, it's all centered in the eastern seaboard area. I kind of keep thinking about going out to Las Vegas or Atlanta or Dallas, but then I figure why. So, you know, it works. It's like, I, again, it works yeah. for me. And I will also say that I do research using newsletters and other stuff, and sometimes I just look online and I place an order. You know, I'll place an order with somebody I haven't seen um, mm-hmm. because I find them and I know they fit in my genre for me. Right, so right. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to go to these shows. Um, no, I don't work in my garage. I have an office space in my house. Okay. So and how many I'm hours like, a week do the kids work? Do you have, it depends. I don't, again, I don't do it by hours. I do it by items. So my son prepped 100 items for me last night. Um, they were flat, about the size of, yeah, jewelry box size, definitely out. Mm-hmm. 
so we don't really have a set amount, but I will tell you that I'm already thinking about gearing up for Q4, and in August I plan to have them prepping for me, you know, pretty full time and just have stuff ready to go. Yeah, I, have I like the idea too. I like the idea of paying by the piece because as you said, then if they get distracted or whatever, it doesn't come out of your pocket, it comes out of theirs. Yeah, you know what? I know other people who hire their kids. It works out especially if the kids want something and you just have to um it'll find this interesting. You have to keep when you're teaching prep, I find it the best thing you give them up the pot, the item what you're going to have it packed in and the one label and let them work, like do that. And then once they're done, you check it and then you let them move on to the next thing. So they're learning one thing at a time. My okay. daughter can prep bundles for me now. Uh, my son will never be able to prep a bundle. And I just know he just doesn't have that attention span. But he can put a label. He can slide something into a bag and put a label on it and make sure it's, it's um, sealed. And they each have their own binder with a time with a printed out Excel spreadsheet that they have to fill out for me to pay them. So it's the item, the number, they need to figure out how much money I owe them. And then at the, uh, in the last column, I write down the date that I paid them. Or if they owe me money, I'll take it out there. So they each have to that's keep awesome their own binder. That's teaching them like the real world, punching a time clock or doing your reports or whatever, that in order to get paid, you got to do the paperwork too. You know, that's great. Yeah, I just love it. So, and, um, and then have, I don't have to keep track of it either. Right, right. Do you do you have specific days when you do things like a, a day you write listings, a day you prep, or is it more fluid? Right now, it's more fluid. In the past, I did, but um, no, not at the moment. You know what? I work every Tuesday in the counting office, and I must, and I need to give them another eight-hour day at least a week. Uh, so it kind of de- depends on how it fits into my schedule. Um, so I would say the answer is no. Okay. I just, you know okay. what, I used to be a lot more regiment. I will say to you, I've learned over the years, the kids go to school, that's work time. So I already kind of have my day planned out, whether if I'm going to do photographs, I want to do photographs all day long because the light is good and I'm doing the same, similar items. And I'm going to do a lifestyle photo of similar items. So I'm going to have that laid out and then I'm just going to keep t- turning the items out and putting the new item in. So it makes it easier. Um, and I don't look at the dirty dishes, the laundry. I don't look at how dirty the house is. I don't answer the phone unless it's an emergency. Um, I just thought this is my work time as if I went to the office and that's how I treat it. I don't look at anything else, even though I'm working from home, unless it's like an emergency kind of phone number, I don't answer my house phone at all, uh, unless it's from the school. I don't so. either. I, I hit the, you know, the not accept button, you know, so it'll go straight to voicemail if I'm sitting near it, because I do think mm-hmm. that is a huge distraction. You, It takes like 10 minutes to get back into whatever you were doing from a two-minute phone call, you know? So yeah, it is exactly. Big, big, yeah. And if it's that important, think, they will leave a, a voicemail. Well, that's exactly it. And those 888 numbers, you know they're going to be a solicitation, yeah. so why are you answering? You don't need that solar. Yeah. You know, I get yeah. those solar calls all the time. No, we don't need that. Uh, so I just have found, and I've been doing online for a long time. Even when I worked in New York, I came. I worked one day at home. So I've just learned 
Nobody's seeing those dirty dishes in your sink except you. Except you, no. right. Except and the you. Kids don't care. They don't oh care. Oh my gosh, they don't care at all. Yeah. You know, so, so you just need to focus on what you need to do on your business. And if somebody else is upset about it, let them clean it. Yeah, exactly. And remember, I, I only have to answer to myself. So, you know, that's but right. that's and how you know I know what the priorities it. are to get your business done. So, um, this is a kind of an offshoot question, and I was going to mention something um, about your niche. I have, mm-hmm. I have a way I could describe your niche, knowing what you sell and all that. But it'd be interesting. Do you think you have a niche? Yes, I have several niches. Oh, maybe one that leads that has little tentacles that go in other opposite directions. See, that's how I see it. No, yeah, you. There's an overriding theme to everything you sell. Yes, one definitely. Be, I, go ahead. I, I have a I have a main niche, but if I find something that's profitable. I'll go deeper into it and I'll just sort of, you know, make a little new subset of niche niche out of that. Yeah. But I found all of my niches I've found myself organically based on what I'm interested in. I mean, I made a conscious effort to look at that particular kind of stuff in my head early on and then I got distracted and I've come back to it. And, um, and it works for me. You know, it works for me. And not all of them are the most profitable or not, but um, I've, you know, I'm forging relationships in that and I'm definitely growing. And I'm definitely looking for more of that kind of thing. And, and so I'm growing a little bit every time I go to a trade show or I do research. Yeah, and I have, I've been, it's interesting. Sometimes that trade show, um, Profit isn't the word, but the value from going to that show may not show up for a couple months. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. something will happen. And, oh, wow, that show was really worth it for a reason that you might not have even dreamed of when you went. So, you know, well, when people go and they say, oh, I only found one thing to sell. Well, that's right then. That may lead to other things and other things. And if you hadn't been at the show, you wouldn't have found that one thing. So I saw a particular item that I found at New York Now last. August. It was, for the most part, it has been my most profitable, highest selling item. All of a sudden, I'm getting a little competition on it. But that one item has opened up my eyes to the same items in the same genre. And I just went to a show this weekend. I would never have looked at um, this vendor stuff at all. But she it was her first time it, at this show, and she had a product that was similar but very, very different for a third of the price, and she was really excited to have me work with her, and we t- already had talked about private labels. So, I, you know, one, it, um, it's preparation meeting opportunity, really. It is. I would never I have, have looked at her stuff. And I and Charlene knows the item items I'm talking about could be used for a wide variety of things. She they're very inexpensive, and I think they're going to be pretty hot in a lot of different areas. But I never would have known that if I hadn't bought this product at New York Now last August. So it's, yeah, so there you, you go. Build, you months, learn six six months later, seven months, eight months later, it's morphing into other stuff. I went to a show um, that I didn't. I left thinking, yeah, I'm not so sure I even found anything at this show. And then the contact came back 
from a line of stuff that I had been trying to get for years. You know, no, we don't sell to online sellers. And then it's like, okay, if you have your own website, we'll sell to you. No, I don't want to do that. Um, and then finally it was um, January of last year, so 16, they said, yeah, we'll sell to you. After, you know, I'd gone to the show for and waited six months to hear this. And I was telling Ellie yesterday, um, it's a stupid product, but most people would say, what the heck? I'm going to sell $100,000 worth of this one product line this year. So yeah. a year and a half of waiting and getting it done is like, oh, my God, this was so worth it. And I found out something interesting yesterday that I didn't under, understand. I got a credit memo from the company because um, I pay by credit card. You know, I email my Restock Pro reorder thing to my rep, and he puts it in and all that, and I, they charge my card and fine. They sent me a credit memo. So I called him and it's like $1,200. And I said, what is this credit memo? No, that's the, the buyer bucks you earned on based on what you bought from us. You get X amount back at the end of the year. That was like finding 1200 bucks on the sidewalk, you know, and they never mentioned it. So that was even better. So I wasn't even expecting it, you know? So, um, so I have to say that, that the show may not be an immediate success, but I think for the most part, you'll, everybody will find something of value out of going to one. That's just kind of my thought of them. So, um, I think that, you know, it's, you're building, I'm going to go back to something I've said this many times. To, you guys are building relationships. It's all about relationships. So I met, so the best part of this show that I went to um, this weekend was this vendor I was talking to that I just mentioned. Um, and if she will, even if she didn't do, she offered me doing private label for me. So, and I said to her, um, do you want a reference? Because, you know, we're getting, she, I, we were talking about selling on Amazon and everything. And we worked out an exclusive right there and then verbally. And I said, do you want a reference? So, I immediately could give her a reference of another vendor who I knew would give me glowing, a glowing review mm-hmm. without even thinking about it because they know me personally. You know, I've been selling this stuff for three years and they make a product for me. And that part is all about building relationships. It, you know, um, I can't stress that enough. You know, you build a relationship with your rep, your vendor, your whatever. They, it'll only come back to work for you. Totally. I totally agree with that one. Some of my best um, accounts that I have now have come through being able to give a reference, just like you did, from the biggest company in the field. Oh, well, they sell to you. You must be good. You know, kind of Mm -hmm. attitude that comes down. Um, It is really, really valuable. And and I love that I'm getting emails from some of my um, vendors, you know, personal ones, not the, the mass mailing are you going to be at the show in, in June? We hope to see you there. Let's go out and have a drink kind of thing, you know. And mm-hmm. that's, that's just really valuable because at sitting over that drink, they may tell you about this whole new line that's coming in months before anybody else will hear about it, you know. Pretty much. In fact, I just, I just had a vendor call me special because they had like 400 items of something that I've been selling of theirs. They had marked it down from 7 to $4 as a closeout. And before they made it available on their website, they wanted to know if I wanted to buy them ahead. Yes. So that that's a huge, huge drop in price. Yeah. Yeah, huge drop in price. Yeah, it's like, yeah. 
So that so, and and you keep your sales price the same. So you just put that extra three dollars in your pocket. You know, I basically. can't. Or or you know what? Like if there's like it's Memorial Day weekend, I went through and marked a lot of stuff down. You know, just did like a quick Memorial Day sale. I know I'm still making profit, and if it gives me more feedback or gets my rank down lower to give me more visibility, I'll take a little less money, you know, and mm-hmm. start to get it on the first page. Yeah, so yeah, because the stuff that you're selling is hugely competitive. I mean, it's not like like some of my weird crafting stuff that, you know, it's it's so obscure nobody else ever sells it. Your stuff is really competitive. So, so that's a really lot of important. It is, yeah. yeah. You know, it, um, it's... It's unique, but there are thousands of those kinds of things out there, you know? When we went to um, the Amazon Women's Sellers Conference, that was, I remember, one of the things that I, re- I remember one of the big um, the panelists said was that, you know, take less money in the beginning so that you can work up your feedback and get your rank, and then you can slowly raise your price. And yeah, I think that, that was the jewelry, the jewelry yeah, woman who said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, see, we remember that because it stuck out that that you know she was willing to to pay to get ahead. You know, it kind of goes in with, and this is kind of a segue to. Um, I was talk when we're talking about profit too. I'm really consciously now thinking about that eighty twenty rule. That twenty percent of your inventory is really what's making your your money, um, as opposed to the eighty percent. So I've really been concentrating on looking at what my most profitable products are and how can I improve those sales. You know, well, that's you asked me that question last week. Yeah. You know, and and I said, oh yeah, it's the there's the twenty percent, the one product line for sure. You know, there's lots of skews within it because of sizing and all that, but that but one product line. So. So in so I'm guessing, and this is just my guess because this this. 80-20 rule has been around forever, that it's right. that way for most people. So then when you've identified... I think it's the opposite. I really do. I think it's the opposite. I think most people um, go, want that 80% to be more profitable. So if the 20% is, is profitable already, they're like, okay, that's profitable. And then they focus on the 80 to try to make it more profitable. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, but I don't think that's the right way to do it personally. And that's just no. my opinion. I don't think it you know? is either, but that's kind of a new, a new thing um, that – I'm sorry, my, my other phone is That's ringing. okay. Just, just keep talking. That's fine. Uh, it's, I, I, it's new for me. Let's just put it that way. I, I think that I was thinking it too. I used to concentrate on the 80%. Now I'm really concentrating on the 20%, and I'm really seeing a difference. So I'm actually yeah, cutting – out inventory that isn't that isn't selling as well out too, and that's another conscious thing I'm doing right now. Just not reordering that, working you know on newer things, trying different stuff. So I think that's you know a lot of people should think about if that earring isn't selling, and you have tried that listing 25 different ways from Sunshine, and it's not selling, it's probably just not going to sell. Yeah, I've done that with whole bunches of stuff. It was like, you know, that what was I thinking? But sitting there and what spending your valuable time because it's not unlimited to keep redoing that listing and redoing that listing is like beating a dead horse. It's not going to make mm-hmm. it come to life. 
maybe it was a bad buy and you just need to recall them and give them away as gifts or donate them or something and spend your time doing something to eat, to make those 20% that are profitable even more profitable. So whether mm-hmm. it is um, doing new photographs that make them even more enticing or do, spending your time negotiating with a supplier to get your price down on those things, I think is a far better use of your time. Because I have hundreds of listings that sell a couple a month maybe, you know, and I don't even mess with them. I, those listings I don't go in and try to fix or anything because I know from experience now that me fixing those and spending an hour doing it isn't going to make them sell anymore. People are going to buy this no matter what because they want that particular thing. So making a, a lifestyle picture for a spool of uh, yarn may, is not going to make it sell anymore. You know, it's, it's, I need to work on the ones where I'm selling, you know, hundreds a day of them. What can I do to make me sell 200 a day? Exactly. That's exactly it. And then what, I mean, then the question is, what can you do to improve your listings? Um, I've really been, I have to say, I think that um, the PL people, even though we're doing, you know, we're doing uh wholesale, if you're creating a listing, you can really learn a lot from listening to these private label things or, you know, about lifestyle photos, about reworking keywords. Um, I've put in a lot of lifestyle photos as secondary photos now, and, and it really yeah. makes a difference. People really want, it helps you see the size. Context. See it context. on the body. Yep. And so that's, that's something I'm focusing a lot on right now. So I don't think a lot of people know only your first photo has to be on that pure white background. The secondary photos can be lifestyle photos, meaning if you're selling a home decor item, say you're selling a dishware set, you could do something with a placemat or something to make it look more enticing, more like a, a upscale catalog as opposed, as opposed to the plain white thing. And I know right. you've been working a ton on that, I haven't am. you? So, so I'll give this as, as an example. Um, you, and this, this is an example. You have a, a lunch bag, you know, like a kid's lunch bag. You could just show the, the image. You could just show it on a white background. You could do the thing what everybody does. You're going to show the front, the back, the side, the inside, what it looks like. Well, you could also show it with a kid carrying it to the school. You could show it on a table open with a nice little lunch laid out. You could show it with the school bus sort of blurred in the background. You know, you can show, show it in so many different ways. You could show it in somebody's backpack. And they don't all, um, they don't all have to include a person in it. They can, you know, they're just little vignettes that you're setting up yourself. They don't have to be perfect but they just show an example of different ways you can use it. It shows the size. It shows different, you know, kids carrying it. It shows it in the, if it's in a backpack. It, it carries, you know, whatever, a milk jug, an apple, a bag mm-hmm. of, of chips, et cetera. So that's a lifestyle photo. And for anything that isn't like a vacuum cleaner or something really boring, they can be really valuable. So, so be aware of that. You still use your um, your phone to photograph with the um, cell oh, yeah. app, right? Yeah, I only use my phone right now. I do, and in fact, I was trying to debate whether to upgrade to a, a seven or wait for the eight. So, 
In fact, I talked to, actually talked to a vendor, I spent 15 minutes this weekend talking to a vendor discussing the use. She had a seven and she uses the phone to photograph her stuff for her catalog. And we were comparing my Amazon photos and hers trying to decide if it made a difference. Mm-hmm. And, that was, and that's relationship building also. Because yeah, then they gave yeah. me a, then they were like, oh, our 10% show discount will extend through the end of the month for you. Yep. So. Yep. And, and here's the thing. The phone um, um, has – the camera on a phone is so much better even than th- three years ago. You know, this, the iPhone 6s and above are great for photographs, um, especially images that are online where you're not printing them. So – don't stress about what, what you're using. The more right. important things are, you know, our lighting is, is the hugely critical thing. To, um, Ron could probably take an iPhone 1 or whatever the first one was, and because he knows lighting, do a better photos than I can with an iPhone 7. So you just have to work on this, the other stuff and don't let, because you don't have the latest phone, nobody should think, well, I can't do good pictures, you know? Right. And, and I see the chat, what the chat is. I work with very small vendors that can, some of them can give me a photo that I can use for the first photo and some of them can't. I prefer usually to take my own unless they're so good that, and enticing because a lot of times they look very flat and none of my vendors have that kind of lifestyle photo I'm talking about that I can really use. Um, so I use Erin. I use my kitchen table, I use the puppy, you know, I set up something on my lawn chairs for a summer theme. It's not really that hard. I use stuff that was all over the house, you know. Yeah, and I've seen your pictures, and they look very warm and inviting, and I think that's that's really important, you know, that um, in the lifestyle photos. Um, Just while we're on photos, I have it written down here to mention, for those of you who are using – uh, okay, Alex may opinion, he laughed, the dog could sell in. Oh, no, Felicia's saying the dog could sell anything. Um, anyway, um, Foldio is coming out with a big Foldio now. It's there. Ron got an email yesterday or the day before, a Foldio 3 for bigger stuff. So just if you're interested, be aware it's out there. I think it's another Kickstarter kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, though he, he will sometimes just dig out his um, lamps from the thrift store and use those, you know, it all depends. So don't, don't let um, um, lack of fancy equipment and thinking you need a whole photo studio. Like Ellie says, she does so much of with stuff around the house, you know? I do, and honestly, I have a big pull-down shade from Home Depot with some lights that I got at a garage sale that I use for my big items, and I, don't, and I only use my folio for really small things. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where he's going. So I'm thinking the the bigger one could work for um, for me, like um, tote bags and things like that. You know, the knitting knitting kind of stuff. So yeah, I my tote um, bags and things like that that I do if I do any or if I do like um, clothing or shoes are too big for the folio. I was taking my own pictures of shoes. I just did it up against the the background mm-hmm. that the pull down shade. Um, I'm trying to think about other big stuff. Yeah, we just do it that way. And I also have a corner of my family room. I have a lot of natural light 
that I just used that too because I have like mm-hmm. skylights and stuff in there. So, so you can switch yeah. it up around the house. It doesn't have to be expensive. So um, are you importing stuff from um, vendors outside the U.S.? Yes, I am, which is kind of a surprise to me. But um, I have been doing that. I don't think people should shy away from it at garage sales, at, but I mean at garage sales at trade shows. But I don't import anything from China, not like right now. Um, I work actually with a small women's co-op in India that um, makes uh, an item from the the main part of the family, the men. Uh, have like a furniture store and they sell to like Pier 1 and Pottery Barn and that stuff. And the women make stuff out of the remnants. And I met them at a trade show. I met them at New York now. Um, And we kind of hit up a deal and she ships to me for free if I make a $1,000 order. Uh, and And it's cool and it's nobody's carrying stuff that's similar. And then I'm also supporting this women's co-op. So it's, it's good both ways. That's a win-win, I don't, isn't it? Yeah. It's very kind of weird to get your first box. That's the, the cardboard is so cheap, and, it come, and mine come wrapped, banded in metal to hold the boxes <laughs> together. Uh-huh. But I haven't I have lost to laugh. anything yet. I have to laugh because my box is from India the same way, but they are totally covered with packing tape. Ooh. So it's like the tape yeah. is holding the whole box together. You know, and yeah, and you can see it when they come from the back of the post office with them. I can tell, oh, that's my India stuff because it's just all packing tape, you know. And but I've never had anything get damaged coming from India. And this is stuff that's damageable, but they know how to pack it. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had really, really good luck with my Indian suppliers. Um, I don't import from China at all either. I sell some stuff that other people, like the distributor for the U.S. imports. Yeah, me too. Um, Mm-hmm. But I don't do it myself. I bring stuff in from Israel and from India right now are the two places I am. And and I would I would look for more India stuff. I think there's huge potential there. Um, Me too. I've I've actually cool emailed stuff. the woman the my contact in India and asked her about some other things. I also um work with um some one company in Mexico, uh, several companies in Canada. Um, and I just started carrying something from South Africa. Some of them are, and some of them are mailed, are sent to their U.S. agent, mm-hmm. and then the U.S. agent sends it to me. And some of them are sent directly from somewhere overseas. And it just depends on which which company it is. And right, and it's, and it's, the whole customs thing also. Depends, and I because I know this question is going to come up. It it depends on a bunch of things whether you have to pay duty or not. It's where it's coming from is a big one. What kind of trade agreement we what we have with the country, and it depends on what it is, and it depends on how much it's worth. So there's no hard and fast rules about it, you know. Um, so so the stuff I get from India, they had a booth at a trade show that I was coming. That's how I that got I, mine too. And I went up, and they had all their product right there, so I didn't have to test it. It was there. And then she covers everything. If I make a $1,000 order, she just covers everything, and it gets shipped right to me. I haven't had to pay any duties, customs, nothing. Uh, at this, at, and with the other things, they're shipped to the U.S. agent, 
I still don't have to do that because the company has to cover it because it's going to their U.S. agent, and then I get it shipped from the U.S. agent to me, which is usually in upstate New York. So oh, that's, that's convenient. either way. Yeah. Um, the stuff coming from Canada never have a problem. Just comes straight to me. I mean, I have a, a company I deal with in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. I have another company I deal with in um, Montreal. So it just comes right to me. My stuff from India comes um, right through the post office. It takes about 10 to 15 days from the time she ships it to get here. But it's shipped for free for me. There's no additional charge. Um, so, um, so that's not an issue. And because of what it is and the value of each shipment, there's never duties or fees or anything like that. Um, the stuff from Israel comes um, FedEx because it's small and mm-hmm. wide enough that I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay for the FedEx box. It comes in one of those, you know, about three inches by 12 inches by 16 inch FedEx boxes, you know, and I get 36 units of it in there and it's, it works enough to um, uh, extrapolate the cost over all the products just to get it. And, and um, with the Israel, there is a cap on the no duty, at least on these products. And it's a thousand dollars, I believe. So as long as I keep my order under that, there's no duty or anything there too. And it's in, it's here. She ships on Sundays, um, and I have it on Thursday. So it goes. Yeah, mine from, doesn't come that fast. Mine takes at least two weeks. So it's a bigger box. It's a huge box, and it's a, yeah, they yeah. always get it in one box, and it weighs a ton. I don't know how they do it, but I haven't had an issue yet. Um, Al, my, I, before I bring any new product, any new product at all into my inventory, if it's different or from a country I haven't dealt with yet, I email a picture and stuff to my insurance agent to make sure it's covered. I so think that's nothing really I, smart. The only digestible, the only food I carry is actually made in Pennsylvania, but these, the other items, they're not... None of them are hazardous. They're not toys. They're not for children. So there's no, there's really, you know, nothing to worry about. Yeah, um, and you, you got your insurance through Ashland, didn't you? Your most yeah, recent policy. Yeah, I'm the policy. one who brought yeah. Ashland to the group. Yeah, yeah. and I know she's you did. awesome. Yeah. She's been awesome. Yeah. So she knows exactly what I sell at all times. I just want to stress that I, it, there's no point in hiding it. I just want to make sure I'm covered. That's exactly right. And you do some um, private label stuff, correct? Yes, I do. I do and, some private and label. Obviously, she's aware of it, so that's covered under your policy. And she knows exactly what it is. She knows what it is, um, so there's never – and nothing – like I said, there's only one item that is uh, – it's a food item that I sell, and it's – I have the exclusive on it, but it's still under the name of the company that sells it. So it's not, it's an exclusive and they make it just for me, but it's under their company name. So it's, I guess you would not say it's a private label thing, but I'm the only one who sells it. So it really has to be covered under their insurance. Yeah, yeah. And so the part of it is um, um, insurance doesn't want to be caught unaware. That's kind of the thing. They want to know everything because that's what they base, you know, their business on. So um, anything that's put in or on the body may, and I say may because it depends on your policy, may increase your rates or it may not depending on the policy you have. So that kind of in or on the body thing. So if you're selling um, food, it may. Or if you're selling like face cream, it may. 
those are the two that people um, um, need to be aware of that it might. And it's a case of ask your insurance agent. They're the ones that'll know far better than us because each state is different too. You know what what is what is in a policy in one state may not be in another. Just so you know. So yeah, everybody should ask it for themselves. I mean, I know somebody else who sells food and they have a lower insurance policy than I do. So, Are they, they sell more state? food? They're in Pennsylvania. Are they, yeah, see a different state maybe from New Jersey. Um, maybe. But the jewelry thing that when I say goes on the body, I mean stuff that you rub in the body. Like moisturizer. Know, moisturizer or sunscreen or face cream or, you know, nail polish or things like that, not jewelry or clothing that you wear on the body. I mean, it's something that you, you rub in or put on or, or stuff like that, you know. Um, that can be an issue. Uh, I mean, especially if you're importing, you know, stuff from China, um, no-name sunscreens or whatever. You know, that's mm-hmm. where you got to be really. But I don't think anybody in the group is going to be doing that kind of thing. So, so you have been happy with importing. I have too. You know, but we do something very different than most people in importing. We don't go to China. You know, I I know people who do import from China. That. And honestly, I have a private label product that I probably will have made in India or China in the near, in, like in the next year or so, but it's not my first choice. I, I would rather go with somebody in the States first, and, um, and if I can't do that, then I've been really happy with stuff I get out of India, really, really happy. So that would be my next, you know, my next big look. I would love to find some more manufacturers there. Definitely. I've, I've been very happy with the stuff I get from India, too. Um, it's, a, it's, um, it's a different way of doing business in that things um, – most merchants in India never want to say no to you. So kind of like Amazon seller support agents from India. You know, there's that whole <laughs> – we don't want to lose face and say no, so they will talk around stuff to avoid saying no. And once you kind of understand um, – you know, cultural differences, I find it them wonderful people to deal with. I really do. That's just kind of, you know, my personal um, workings um, have been very mm-hmm. positive. So um, I don't um, think I anyone think... should be afraid of doing that. You know, I, you, I, I, I wanted to bring this up because I want people to understand you don't have to make a huge investment to import something and try it. No, not right. everything, you know, no, not everything in China is bad. I'm just saying that more people are doing private label now. You don't want to do white label or per se. I'm, I have very specific products that I'm designing in my head that I would have made in India first because I believe that the similar products are being made there. Then I would look at China. But there are small manufacturers out there that you might meet at a trade show that other people would overlook. This woman in India was on the third floor in a different section at New York now, and I was waiting for um, I was waiting for Jen Simmers who was placing an order at a different booth, like halfway up the aisle, and I was wandering around, and there she was, you know. And we got to talking, and the next thing I made an order, and I just placed my third order with them. So you just don't know. I, I just want people not to be afraid to do it, especially if it's not that much money. And if you're doing RA now, you know, again, I've said this last time, 
you could spend $100 on four pairs of shoes or you could spend $100 on trying a new product. Bingo! Yes, exactly, exactly. The stuff I got from India, she's been at the the same show where I found her, I found her about five years ago now. And when I saw her, she had her product in a couple suitcases and she had some boxes stacked up and that was her whole booth display because she couldn't bring any more. But I saw these things, like, dang, this is cool. People walked right by it, right by it, right by it. You know, like, like they couldn't be bothered because it wasn't a big, fancy, flashy booth. And I'm like, I'm so glad they do. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that you have to be able to look past whatever display there is and get down to the product itself and the people behind the product, too. Well, this, my product, it was hung with um, little hooks on the wall that were there, and they had a tiny little metal table in the center of the booth, and that was it. And it was, she was sitting there with her daughter. But the product and everybody was else really walked cool. right by, didn't they? they walked a lot right of people by. did. Interestingly enough, it was the women who stopped and looked, but nobody else was selling her stuff on Amazon. I mean, she's, New York now is a big show, and she's been now, there a couple times now. So it works for me. That's right. That's why you got to keep your eyes open and, and um, don't overlook what, what may not be obvious, but when you dig deeper, it is. You know, and that's the fun part of this business, isn't it? It's just that's, mm-hmm. I find that really exciting, the part of being able to find stuff that people have overlooked um, or for whatever reason. So I, I want to get back to one thing that's, that's on um, your list. So I, I'm a firm believer in improving listings. Um, like I said, there's like 3,000 of them I don't bother with, but the other 1,000 I keep close eye on. What do you do when you want to improve a listing? Um, what do I do when I want to improve a listing? The first thing I do is check if it's in the right category. And I'll do a couple searches and see if similar products are being sold in different categories or, um, or if the category has been updated and I could drill down more to make it more, excuse me, of a niche. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would do some keyword research, you know, rework the keywords, do some keyword research on Amazon, on Google, use merchant words, look at my competition, um, and use that to reword the back end, the front end, rewrite the bullet points, things like that. I might also mark the product down a little. So do you ever like, like do you, would you ever go in and say you're selling a product that, that you described as a certain way for the holidays? Would you go in and change the title because if it could be used in the summer, it could have a whole different title? Yes. You and I just, and you and I just discussed this exact thing. I mean, I have a product that I had, had uh, put up for the holidays or for graduation or for Easter or for Mother's Day, and now it's coming into beach time, and, and I'm going to change it, change the back-end keywords and title to go it's, uh, for beach, vacation, you know, that. And that is, again, it's like my number one selling product, that, those items. So I'm tweaking it up for for the season. And you're the only seller on this listing, correct? I am the only seller on this listing, but somebody else has started selling it on a different listing recently for half the price. 
Well, but but um, what I'm saying is you aren't going to screw up anybody else by changing this listing. No, I tend right. to be the only one on my listing. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's the way I am too. Um, I don't necessarily have stuff that would change um, uses within the season. You know, like you could say, um, I don't have one that would be advertised as a holiday knitting bag, and then I could retitle it for a beach knitting bag kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but that's that's um, yeah, that's kind of the the thing. John's asking the same thing. It's on your own listings, and that's where it's really important to um, to be the one who finds the products. You know. Um, because then if you make the listing, you, you, for the most part, will have more control than other people over that listing. And you can fix crap listings, pardon the, the word, um, that other people have done, and they should thank you for it. You know, um, If they've got misspellings in the title and all that kind of stuff, that deserves to be fixed. You know? um, so don't I, had, think this, that this, I had a discussion this morning about with about this exact thing about about listings about tweaking them up you know what my listings that i make now are are better than the listings i created six months ago because i've learned so much and the listings i make six months from now are going to be better than the ones i make now because we're always learning or i am right keyword to one of my you know creating new listings is one of those things i always always am listening to what you know different ways of doing this and you want your listings to be fluid and change and grow. So um, I think that that was something else. And I got that straight out of the women's conference again. Um, the big the big vendors were talking about how they change up their listings. They you know they look at how to rewrite how what new what, you know is Amazon letting them do new things on the listings. So is this not selling? I do upgrade my photos sometimes. I have just actually started upgrading photos of some of my best-selling products, adding different lifestyle, better lifestyle images, um, better images in general. I'm starting to try putting some typography on my listings, you know, actual have the actual measurement on the listing rather mm-hmm. than just writing it in the bullet points, you know, having um, – Somebody on Upwork just put that in for me. Yes, I could do it myself, but it's for a dollar. I would rather just let them do it. And you could do that on your secondary photos. There is nothing that says you can't do that. So people think, oh, well, no, they all have to be what? There again, no, the secondary ones don't. So you can provide that information. So I'm going to put John Wayne on the spot here. He says, I don't think we have small manufacturers in the U.K. like you do in the U.S.A., so I'm not sure how to get exclusive listings. I'm going to say wrong um, because listen to what, uh, John to what Ellie said. A lot of her stuff is not coming from manufacturers in the U.S. These are these are ones that you could have access to through India or wherever. Um, I bet there are more small manufacturers in the U.K. than you think. They're just not visible, which is good for you because other people won't find them either. It's it's ferreting them out. And whether it means going to, you know, very small, very niche shows where they might be or going to the big ones at the NEC or Earl's Court or wherever the big shows are happening now um, to find them. And they will they will not be in the big fancy booths in the front of the show like Ellie's Indian supplier. They're going to be in the back behind the pole in the cheapest booth they can find because that's all they can afford. So it's getting out there. 
and and seeing them and and seeing the value in the product and I think what shows do is they expose you to so many products that, that you start to see what is unique and different in a way that you don't if you haven't seen the products you know I don't, Ellie do you agree with that or I do and I'm not going to say huge amount our products are international products for me but what I'm going to say is different. I think there are just as many creative small manufacturers in the UK and Europe as there are in the United States, and that's what you should be looking for. And they're just—it's—it's it's not different. I mean, I come from a design background, and I know for a fact there are a lot of excellent designers in Europe and in UK. So you just need to change the way you're looking for them, um, looking yeah. different, and different ways, open, and that may mean. One of the ways I sometimes do it is I go into a store, a physical brick-and-mortar store. I look at a bunch of different brick-and-mortar stores that I know carry similar items, and I'll just drive around and look, and I'll turn over, oh, look where this is made, and I'll take a photo on my phone of the name of the company, and then I'll look that up later. I mean, that may just be what you need to do. Go into like a bigger town, city, whatever, and look in the store at similar products that that you know are in a brick-and-mortar store and look at what they're selling. And they may, you know, nine times out of ten, you may find somebody that's right near you that's a small manufacturer that they're selling. I have a, a specialty store that is, you know, five miles from my house. They sell local products local things, and I've gone in and taken, you know, written down those names and then pursued those vendors. And that's without yep. going to a trade show at all. Yeah, I think, I think that it is, um, it's a diff, it's shopping. I, it is shopping, and I normally hate shopping, but it's shopping in a different way. And it's not necessarily shopping for what you want for yourself, but putting yourself in a customer's shoes, not necessarily one like you, but would a customer buy this and why or why not? And a lot of it comes with experience. The more you look, the more you do, the better you get. Um, it's amazing how much better my picks are now than they were two or three years ago, you know? Um, I just, I'm seeing stuff differently and looking at different uses for products. You know, say, say you're in the UK and you found a guy who does great woodworking. Well, maybe what he's doing isn't going to work on Amazon because it's too big or too expensive or too breakable, but brainstorm with him because maybe he can find um, um, a way to make products for you that would work and give him another income stream too, you know? And then, um, and then you would have private label. That's basically, yeah. you know, you would have created yeah. your own private label. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's how simple it is to do private label. And John just said he knows a potter who refuses to produce their best-selling mugs because they get bored with them. Exactly. So maybe get them to make something else where they won't be bored. You know what? And if they do it for a year, that's a year's worth of product, and they get bored again, then you develop something else. That's, that's mm-hmm. all about, you know, that's how that part of the business works, you know, um, it's understandable. Products don't, very few products last forever. We kind of had that that um, post the other day. It's like blue jeans, t-shirts, you know, flip flops. Not a lot of stuff lasts forever. So um, it's kind of like just it's it's putting a different kind of hat on when looking at products. And ask them 
what have you always wanted to make and sell? Because maybe they know that their local, um, if they sell in a local co-op or a local farmer's market, won't sell this product, but they think it'll sell worldwide. You know, ask them. Maybe they have an idea, but they just haven't gotten the kick in the rear to do it. You know, it's, it's a fun part of the business. It, to me, it is. Otherwise, it's just, you know, pushing boxes in and out of the house kind of stuff. So you've got to make it fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, for our listeners who are in the UK and, and Europe and, and have access to other things, um, that's a case of um, many of people at the trade show here come from the UK to sell their products in the US market. So if you could head those off at the pass where they don't have oh to my. come to the US, you know? And I have to say this, John, at the show I was at this weekend, I made a deal with somebody who's in the UK for his product, and it's not on Amazon yet. So there you go. Uh, there, there. And there was a whole section of Brits that were not on Amazon. I only did it for this one because he he actually converted into US dollars, and it was it, it was totally um, uh, compared to uh, the people I was buying from the US. But he had a product that isn't on not on Amazon at all. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting that that especially um, creative people have a hard time getting their stuff to market. You know, it it is difficult because their mind works in in the developing product way, you know, and they don't know how to do it or they're afraid to do it. So it's like John's job can be hijacking all those people so they don't have to come to U.S. trade shows but they can get their products on Amazon here without having to come here and sell to, to us Yanks, you know? Find actually, them before you get there, you know? Yeah, that's actually more true than you think. If, uh, John, if I were you, I would look at some of the trade shows in the U.S. and see if they have overseas areas. Like the show I was at this week had people from England. They also had people from China. Um, they had it from several other countries, and New York now does the same thing. There's usually a section set up for different countries from around the country. You may want to look and see which country, which um, vendors are coming over from, you know, from the UK, and see if they are on Amazon in the UK already, because that you'd be ahead right there. Yeah, and and you know wrap up the U.S. market too, you know, get them in both places if it mm-hmm. works, you know. So so I hope that helps a bit, John. Um, there's always the, the, um, the fear because um, you're not in the thick of the things and because the U.S. just has so many more people that you feel like there's not opportunities, but there really are, you know, and that's why we're here to help give you whatever inspiration or help is needed to find them. You know, so um, I would just I would just keep looking at as shows um, um, the um, that are that are held there and look and see and then kind of you could even just give them a call and say, are you selling on Amazon in the U.S.? And if they said no, but we'd like to, I'm the man for you because I know Amazon, I can deal with it. You know. Um, I've gotten a few accounts from even U.S. vendors that way because they want to be on Amazon, but they're scared and don't want to do it themselves, you know, and that's where your knowledge comes in handy, you know, so. 
Um, so, yeah, so we're over time, but I have a couple more um, quick questions to ask. Um, so we talked the last part about exclusives. Um, and so do you think there is, is a lot of potential in this creating special items for you um, part of exclusives? Absolutely. I mean, there's, this just happened this week. I mean, I was at a trade show. I saw something that a vendor had, and the whole light bulb went out in my head. I started talking to her. She actually has sold a little on Amazon, finds it horrendous, has not brought this whole product line onto Amazon. We talked for a while, and then we talked about an exclusive, but then also about taking a product I have now and putting it and remaking it as a private label product using um, different parameters that she already has in place with her manufacturer. So as many different ideas as you can think of, there's a, they're private label ideas. And here's you know, what need- Ron did at the last trade show, guys selling certain kind of art stuff, but they're all sold individually. He's had the guy make up um, sets of related tools together under their own name, so it's not even private label. It's still the brand name, but they're yep. exclusive to Ron's business. So he's not going to make them up for anybody else but Ron. So that works too, you know. And a couple years ago, I had this happen. I had my a vendor who I asked, who I sold their product. I asked for the exclusive on it because I've been selling it over a year, and they said yes, and then they said no. And they called me up. I was actually in a, depart- in a department store, and um, the, they were very apologetic, but they had another vendor who was also selling it on Amazon, and she asked for the exclusive, and I guess she sold more than I did. So I really wanted to flip out on them. But instead, yeah, I, I asked them, how is she selling it? What kind of exclusive did you get? And she had the exclusive to sell the item individually. I said, did you give her an exclusive to sell it as a bundle? They were like, no. I said, well, I want the exclusive to sell it as a bundle, and I want an exclusive to sell it in larger quantities. And they made that larger quantity up just for me. Similarly to Ron, nobody else sells it. It's still under their name, but it's an exclusive to me. So it's yeah, like private label, but it's still under, you know, under their umbrella. Right, and Ron kept it this way specifically because their tool name is known in the field. So you want to keep that value added. It would be like buying Levi's and putting my label on it. Well, that would be stupid, you know, because the Levi's hmm. name is what's, what's done. So, um, so, Ellie, thank you so much for, for spending an hour and a half almost of your time. Um, I know based on chat, this was really valuable for people. It's, it's, it's a different way to look at things. And I appreciate you sharing it with us. My pleasure. Anybody who had questions I didn't answer, please feel free to post them in the group and I will answer them for you. You know, yeah, feel free to Ellie's reach out. About that. Yeah. And she's, she, Ellie has just been such a joy to have in the group too. Um, I have to say. Um, so I'm going to give a little uh, shout out for next week's podcast. We'll be back to our usual Wednesday schedule. That's uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. And next week we're having Stephen Peterson on. Stephen runs a um, a podcast called um, E-Commerce Momentum. And he's interviewed now over 200 Amazon sellers um, on this podcast. He's interviewed me twice. 
Uh, one was just a couple weeks ago. And he's going to come on the show, and we're basically going to talk about what he's learned from interviewing 200 different Amazon sellers. What do they have in common that they do? What do they have in common that they don't do? Is there some thread that runs between them all? I think it will be fascinating because he's interviewed everything from, you know, multi-million dollar sellers to brand new sellers. So I think it, it will just be really interesting. So that's, um, that's next week. Um, same place here, same uh, link works for it every single time. The link never changes, so you can listen to replays. Um, we're up to 55 uh, webinars or podcasts now, and Ron is working on another webinar for you guys. So stay tuned for more information about that. So thanks again, Ellie. I really appreciate your time. And give a hug to Spirit and Sky for everybody. I know all the dog lovers are just dying over her picture. So. Take care, everybody. Okay, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.